This is Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian. I have some gifts for you. That's why I'm not a singer. That little bit right there that you just heard. It's my birthday month, and I I have gifts that I brought for you for my birthday. I have the women of Rise and Thrive Season 4 here to talk about their experiences in the transformation from striving to thriving. And at the end of the interview portion of each episode, you'll hear the story that they told on stage on March 8th, celebrating International Women's Day at our fourth annual Stand Tall in Your Story event. In fact, you can go to the show notes and click a link to see them on stage via video. And those are great to share on social media, email them to your friends, your colleagues. They will spark amazing conversations. Okay, today's guest, we have Karen Cook. And I am excited for you to hear from Karen because her participation in this experience was just meant to be. We'll tell you more about that. And then go to the show notes and learn about how you can get these Thrive tools and this Thrive coaching from wherever you are in the United States of America. Not yet available outside of the U.S., but soon, I'm sure. Because I am launching an experience for everybody to get a hold of these Thrive tools and experience the transformation. We start May 1st, so go and grab you some info. Okay, here's Karen. I particularly love our story because it completely just kind of goes against everybody's belief that you just have this master strategy for recruiting the right clients. And everything about the Rise and Thrive experience has been just like, you know, the right women will find me when it's their time to find me. And that's what happened for you. That's exactly what happened. Yep. If I remember, you saw a social media post or something. How did you find out about it? LinkedIn. I saw Rachel, her notification that she was going to be part of Rise and Thrive. And it was the second time that I had seen somebody that I knew get highlighted. And the first time it just didn't hit the same way that it did the second time, which is to your point. (laughs) Imagine that. Right. It makes me laugh. But it also reminds us that it just takes a whole lot of faith and belief in what you're doing and to know that the people will find you when it's time for them. So the second time you saw it, it hit you different because I just knew I needed something and it, it felt, I was just in a different place of my journey and I just knew I needed something like that. And when I saw and read about it on the website, it just was like, this is exactly what I need. And when when I knew it was, you know, we were meant to meet each other is I hate email. Email gives me PTSD from all the years that I was a slave to it. It's inefficient. Email is the bane of my existence. And I happened to be on email when your message came through. You filled out the form and said, I'm interested in this. And I read it, it like in that moment and responded back and said, I know this might sound crazy, but can you talk right now? Yeah. <laughs> and we were on the phone together within like three minutes of you filling yep. out the form. Yep. 
And it was very apparent in the way that you had responded that you had really reached a place where you knew you needed change. Yeah. And we'll get into that in in a minute about those changes and the experience. But one of the things I also know now about your story is you had tolerated some just not living a thriving life for a while. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important that we talk about this because that's been my experience. It's been the experience of most everybody I've worked with and my friends. And why do we stay stuck so long when we know we're not in a place of thriving? What was your experience with that? I think I knew I was not in a place of thriving, but I was so deep in the survival mode that you, even though that little voice was in my head, in my gut, telling me this isn't how it's supposed to be. When you get stuck in that, that mode of just reacting for what you feel like is survival in that, those moments, then you just, you just tolerate it because you think that's how it's, I could just have to do this. And then that I just have to do this. And if I get through this, and if we get through this, then that, and when you're not listening and paying attention and being intentional, you just, I think it's just a survival mode and you get stuck in it and you're just trying to get by. Yeah. And it is, we are working off of all of our old patterns in our brains and we just get up and keep doing the damn thing. Sometimes years go by and all of a sudden you're like, I've been getting up and doing the damn thing for years and it just doesn't feel good anymore, which is kind of where you got to. The saddest part of your story. And I don't think it's sad. I think it's, it doesn't evoke sadness. It evokes anger and frustration (laughs) is that you knew that you needed something and you thought this was it. And in your previous employer, which I'm happy to report that you no longer work for, not needed to be put out. Although, although I'm not convinced that at some point in my career, I won't publish a Taylor Swift-like expose of all the (laughs) shitty leadership behavior that I have experienced in my work. And if that should happen, I won't be afraid to name names, but we're not there today. We're not there today. Um, But you, you went to your leader, I use that term lightly, and you went to the person above you on the org chart. Let's, let's say it like that not really a leader. And you said, Hey, I, I want to do this because I know I need this for me. Will, and quite frankly, this experience is a great marketing opportunity for organizations. It gets your name in front of thousands of people, but you went to them with vulnerability and said, I want to do this. And what was the response? He was not supportive. And this, that conversation when I went to him was not the first time that we had talked about, or that I had tried to be vulnerable in the sense that I'm burned out like Mm -hmm. this, I need something kind of thing. And so that was not the first time we had that conversation, but he was very almost, uh, he, it was almost in a making fun of me sense that I would even think that this was something. And I, of course, led with the professional opportunities and the network and and what it would mean, could mean for my role there and just met with complete disbelief that I would even be asking for something like this. So it didn't feel good. 
But I also knew going into that conversation, that's the exact response that I was going to get. <laughs> when people show you who they are, believe them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it takes that sort of painful catalyst yeah. to get us so frustrated, angry, so upset, where yeah. we're just like, no. Yeah. In the biggest takeaway that I want people to hear from this experience that you've had is we have to choose ourselves. Yeah. And the very first stage of burnout, which I've been talking about incessantly now since the event, is that we feel to prove ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we have to flip that script. Proving ourselves is rooted in our human need for connection. So it's not crazy. It's a basic need that we have, but it's when we, the need to connect is overrides the need to be and the need to take care of ourselves first. So the need to be and the need to belong are human needs. But when that need to connect and serve everybody else and just keep doing the thing and not paying attention to our own needs and what you experienced in that moment was no. I'm not going to do that anymore. It's for me. And you decided to do it anyway. I did. Yeah. And it felt really good. I'm so proud of you for that. Yeah. And, thank you. and when you said yes to you, when you made that decision, how did you feel in that moment? I felt instantly just lighter and like brave as a probably a good word to use because I felt very brave because for so many years in those moments, I just made the other choice and I didn't choose me. And it was always kind of, there was a sense of fear and like that courageous, like what could, what if that kind of thing. And so it just felt really good to, to have chosen me and for it to feel so good to have walked into that because I literally made that decision like the day before rise and thrive and then walked into that room. And it's like, this is, yeah. This I this was right. Yep. That gives me chills. Yeah. Just, like the act of walking in that room was the yeah. act of choosing you. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yikes. Yeah. That makes me so happy. The I felt lighter response is one I hear often yeah. from people who've gone through Rise and Thrive, but also just people that have chosen something for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the burden that we carry that is a weight of not choosing ourselves. That's to me where burnout starts. It's just heavy. It's just yeah. like, I put I put the rocks in my backpack and I carried that shit again today, which ironically, or not so ironically, because it's my experience and I created it. The first act that you all did as a group yeah. Yeah. was to release some of those burdens. Wow, her and I threw that rock off that bridge. <laughs> So, so to give you some context, listeners, they receive a backpack the first day and it has literal rocks in it. We ask them to write on those rocks. What are those burdens that they are continuing to carry? And then we walked ourselves down to a place where there's water and heave those suckers over the the bridge and release them. You said you, you heftily released. (laughs) That's exactly the metaphor that I was looking for is I want you to feel lighter because you chose this experience. And it doesn't have to be a seven-month experience called Rise and Thrive. You can feel lighter today by choosing yourself. And if you want to do the exercise that we did, you can replicate it easily. Just pick up 
a handful of rocks, write your burdens on them. And you don't even have to be near water, like find a field somewhere, do something, right. but just hurl those things and stop carrying them around. Well, and then it's like, as you go through the process and as you like move forward from that day, you even said later in that room, like, we're not picking those rocks back up because you're going to like, think about yourself crawling down that hill into that dirty, cold water. And it's like, there were a couple of times and there still are, frankly, sometimes where I have to like, I'm not picking that up. I'm not picking that up. Metaphors are good. Symbolism yeah. is good to picture yourself in that moment. I've used things like that oftentimes in my life to remind myself, nope, we're not going back there. And so the other part of your story that I think is really important for people to hear is because of this community of Rise and Thrive women that is now 26 or so women strong, when I heard your story, before I even knew if you were going to sign up, like no invoices had been sent, no contracts had been signed. And I said, I, I want you to have a career that you deserve. And the rally cry of the women of the community of Rise and Thrive just sent out a message and said, hey, let's help help a girl out. And you had how many meetings set up in 24 hours? Four. <laughs> and they weren't just like, they were like legitimate, perfect, you know, yeah, they were, yeah, four. Yeah, we talked on a Wednesday afternoon, late in the afternoon and Friday morning was the first like in-person meeting that I had with somebody from your network. So one of the things I talk about in the book is to have a community that is outside of your company. So yes, we want great relationships inside our company. My goodness, I, life is too short not to like the people that you work with. But we also need an outside community that supports us over the company sometimes, whether it's with ideas or fears or vulnerabilities, things that you don't feel safe talking about inside the company or when you need people to help you find other opportunities outside the company. So I was thrilled, not surprised, but thrilled that the ladies just stepped up and said, we got you, girl. And P.S. to our listeners, you had another job within how, what period of time? It was like five weeks when I got the offer. <laughs> I mean, it just, now it's just a part of our story together. But if if you weren't living it and you back away from that and you, you think about, okay, you sent an email, we had a conversation, you had four meetings and others, you know, you, other people introduce you to people as well. It wasn't just our community, but you had another job in five weeks. So we carry these burdens. We just keep going. We just say, I'll just do the next best thing and I'll, and for years living a life of survival, striving. And then within five weeks, you were in a completely different role, same industry, but that's just, when you zoom out and look at it that way, it's like, holy crap. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. And I love the culture and the community that you are a part of now. It makes my heart happy. So as you've gone through the experience of Rise and Thrive, there are several Thrive tools, different experiences that you go through as a community. And with within those tools, one of the things you said that has been most helpful is just the time and the space to process. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that. The time and the space to process and the journaling and like just getting it all out is as, and all those years of survival mode, there isn't any time to process and think about or deal with 
whatever that is, and you just push it down, deal with it later. And then there is never any later. So the space of Rise and Thrive just gave me the opportunity to stop and just really listen to everything that was going on in my head, most of which was reminding me why I shouldn't choose myself. So changing that narrative and just really listening to, no, I, I know, and I can follow these thoughts that are coming out and process them in a really good, healthy, healing way. Again, those are all things that I've used at one point in my life or another, but never as intentionally, as consistently. I mean, just the simple, you get up in the morning and you're quiet and you think about and you listen to what it is that you need and just the space to do that. It's funny because when you're marketing something that is so profoundly different than things that you've gone through in the past, Mm -hmm. people will ask me for the timed outline of the sessions because we're so used to just every, we have to be just consuming all the time. Yeah. And that's not what this is at all. Mm -hmm. But until you've experienced it, it's been really hard for me to articulate from a marketing perspective, how profound space is on a consistent basis because people could just can't wrap their heads and hearts around. I'm going to pay for space. You're not getting it anywhere else. And I think I share this in one of our sessions too, like the timing of when rise and thrive starts is like in September. Right. So we were going into fall in Indiana. And I think I shared, like, I am, it's kind of a joke along my circle of friends that I'm not a nature girl. I know I'm not a camper. I'm not any of those things. And the weather and like when you're just quiet and you're listening to how the trees, the weather was like so perfect and just, it really was transformational for me. And I wouldn't say that I am a nature girl now, but I have an appreciation for the calmness and the peace and how the earth's energy can help me. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you're not buying a tent and heading out for any kind of camping experience anytime soon. I'll open the window and listen to the trees. (laughs) But that I loved when you said that because it is so true that nature provides all of what we need if we're paying attention and even the change of the season. And you were in that season of letting things die and fall away. Mm -hmm. I was doing my daily stillness this morning and I, I went out on a walk with the dog and And now we're in spring in the Midwest and the same thing holds true now in this season. I'm looking at the, how green the grass has become in the last few weeks and the buds on the trees. And I'm just like, Ooh, it feels like there's something new, like ready to bloom, which is true, but it also feels that way inside my life and inside my heart. And I think that's just beautiful that that this experience took a JW Marriott kind of girl and said, well, you know, nature's okay too. Maybe I will. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And and one of the things you shared that I love too, is, you know, you have a, a, a young daughter who's being influenced by your life every day. And she came home one day, tells that story. Well, she just, her being quiet is, I mean, they're just like they're consuming, right? And it's like mm-hmm. just recognizing that I was doing the daily stillness and being quiet, like she she sees it. And then I think she sees a difference in in how it impacts my life. Yeah. I just remember her saying, because you didn't have like music or TV. What are, or is anything. this all you've done, right? Yeah. Since and it was the candle was burning and it was yeah. quiet. And she was like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? And it's like, nothing. 
nothing. Well, why? Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> and I and how old is she? Fifteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I particularly love that this season everybody had kids. Know. And in fact, one of them had one just days after the event and, oh. and second one days after the event. Right. But I, why I love that so much is what I'm trying to steward is what we call the age of humanity. And those kinds of changes are not quick fix changes. Those take years and generational change. And I get really excited when I think about your daughter is now experiencing you differently. Yes. Yeah. Which has way more profound impact on her choices than anything else could in her life. Yeah. And that's good yeah. stuff. That makes me emotional because I, and I have to just let that go. Right. Cause for so many years she saw me just getting up and doing the thing and the, the difference is so important. And we can't go back and change the past. No, we I, can't. I think, I think with my kids that them seeing me choose to change is more influential than if they would have just experienced what they see today because they now can feel the difference in our home and in our conversations. Yeah. And she sent me a text message after it was early Thursday morning on March 9th. And she said, I'm so happy to see you choosing yourself. And I'm insanely proud to call you my mom. Yeah. So she sees it for sure. I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. It's 10 a.m. and I'm already crying. All right. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And for a 15 year old. I know. To articulate that kind of thought and emotion. Yeah. At 15. And I mean, she goes to a huge high school in Hamilton County and it's like, you gotta, you don't want to stand out. You got to fit in. So she's constantly, I'm telling her like, you're, you know, polishing yourself up like a marble. And when you put them on the table, they're all just going to roll away and talk and think about the puzzle piece and how you show up with it. And those are heavy things, right? For 15 year olds to try and process with their friends in that age, but being able to introduce. So I'm always like, you're a puzzle piece today, right? Not a marble. Like, <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that was yeah. just regular language yeah. in your house. I love yeah, that. So regular language now. Yeah. If you're new here, the metaphor is that Marbles are perfect, round, shiny, beautiful. And oftentimes we're trying to perfect ourselves by shining ourselves up every day. But if you take a handful of marbles and put them on a table, they all roll away. They don't stick together. And puzzle pieces are each different with their jaggedy ass edges. And the characteristics of puzzle pieces are when you put them together, they're stronger, more beautiful, and every piece matters. And that to me, when I, that met when, quite frankly, God gave me that metaphor. I can remember the day I was sitting writing about the concepts of uniqueness and it literally just bubbled into my spirit. Like so weird. I'd never thought about it before. And it literally was just like, boom, that's it. And I wrote it down in the book and it's now the thing that I think that people remember most about. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is so simple to to so simple, but so visualize. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's good stuff. So several of our sessions, we bring in other thrive guides that provide different perspectives and tools and things and preparing you ultimately for the event on international women's day, March 8th, but not, not as the end. That's the beginning. It's like the seven months of the experience is the learning and the preparation. And then on March 8th, when you stand on that stage to stand tall in your story, in my mind, that's when we push go. 
Yeah. That's when you're the group experience with me leading ends, but you all stay together as a group and you continue to use these tools and support each other. So it's a, a lifetime transformation, not an end to an, the experience. And that experience on March 8th is nerve wracking. You got no notes, you got no podium. It's just you on a stage in front of hundreds of people. And so some of the tools that you learn in that experience help you prepare for that. Just Eliza's like the tapping and the helping like channel that energy. And like I said, just it's, it's nerve wracking, big, heavy emotions that you're trying to channel and that still articulate your message in a good way for people to understand. But some of those tactics and just understanding the science and the physical, what's happening physically in your body when you're trying to manage those, what she taught and her being there, obviously, and kind of helping walk us through that and focus on it on that day. But I just felt like I was just so proud of myself that I was able to get through it and not cry. And, but to feel good the entire time I was up there, the stuff she does is, is amazing. She helps our ladies regulate their nervous system. Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating again, just like the space and the stillness is the Things that she teaches on how to regulate your nervous system are all free, simple, and available to us every single day. Yeah. And tapping is one of them to tap on certain points of your body or in your face, head, and areas to release energy through meridian points. You can Google tapping and learn a ton about it. It's amazing, free, simple, yeah. easy to do, and yeah. profound. And envisioning yourself on that stage before you do it. We do exercises like that and the daily stillness to regulate every day. Eliza is amazing. So Eliza Kingsford, I highly recommend that you follow her on Instagram or wherever you do your social media stuff. And to hear you say, I'm proud and it felt good on the stage because when we first start talking about preparing your story. (laughs) Tell our listeners what that first day is like. I mean, you just have no idea what you're going to talk about. And everybody says, and I think we all felt like, I don't have a story, right? Like nobody wants to, I don't, I don't, it's just, it's very intimidating and overwhelming because you just don't know but you promised and it was, you, it's true. (laughs) That's my favorite part. Standing backstage is recalling the comments from that day. I don't have a story. I don't know. Nobody's going to want to hear my story. And we literally spend hours just helping you process through all of that discomfort and getting all of that out. And then when I watch each of you walk out onto that stage with a beautiful story that you've practiced and it's just my favorite part of the whole deal. And to talk about you versus talk about banking or business or all, you're no stranger to speaking. You're in sales and you're in the community constantly serving, but the idea of telling your own story gets people a little wrapped around the axle. Yeah, for sure. I could remember who was it said, just let me talk about Jesus, Stephanie. So (laughs) she's like, I'll talk about anything. Just don't make me talk about me. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's really good stuff. So now that you've told your story, which which will now play at the end of our interview 
okay. the listeners will get to hear the audio of your story. What are you carrying with you today? Well, of course, we've heard the stories of way you're sharing it with your daughter and how that's impacting you. Yeah. Is there anything else that you're thinking about? Okay, what's next? Or now that I know I've got this courage within me, anything on your mind about next? You know, it's just the process of I can look out and plan intentionally, but really just kind of, um, well, dream. That's, I mean, that's the word you use in Rise and Thrive, right? Like not being stuck, but it's just, I chose myself. I'm proud and like, okay, what is next? And I don't know that I have the answer for that, but it feels good to be in a place that I'm confident to do it. And I know that whatever it is that I dream, I can do whatever. So I don't know what's next yet, but I love that it. That is a mic drop moment. We're just going <laughs> to like put a bow on this interview because that is a beautiful message. And I know that there are people out there thinking, Ooh, what's that like? So if anybody is now hearing this and thinking, maybe I want to do Rise and Thrive, people in the Indianapolis market, what would you say to them? Do it. You should do it. If you think you need to do it, you need to do it. Choose yourself. Love it. Love it. And so now here is Karen's story. Before it happened, my pen was full of ink. And I'm not talking about a pen in the traditional sense. Google's definition of a pen is a writing instrument. Well, it's an instrument used to write or draw with ink. I'm speaking about it in more of a metaphorical sense. You know, the gift that each one of us is given to write the chapters of our story. And like I said, my pen was pretty full of ink, and I was in a particularly damn good chapter of my story when it happened. I had a job I felt fulfilled at. <clears throat> my marriage was good. I felt loved, safe, and secure. And then when I was eight months pregnant, I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. I froze. I was scared and in shock. What was gonna happen to my baby girl? Would I be there to be your mom? And in that moment, I had to hand my pen over to the doctors and nurses to heal me. Anybody who's been through cancer treatment or any kind of medical treatment knows that it can be draining, both physically and emotionally. Things happen to your body that you are not in control of. All you can do is just get through it. Well, spoiler alert, I got through it. <laughs> I beat the cancer. And my beautiful daughter is 15 years old and thriving today. But one thing that I didn't do after that treatment was take that pen back from those doctors and nurses and refill the ink. I had a lot going on. I was trying to adjust to motherhood and create this beautiful life that I had dreamed about for my family. I was going through a job transition because the year was 2008 and I was working in the mortgage industry. So anybody that is, right, yeah, you knew it was falling apart at the seams. So I had to get a new job and my husband also lost his job. We had bills to pay, things to do. I had to forge ahead. I was in survival mode. And quite frankly, even if I wanted to refill my pen, I didn't know where it was. I emerged with this insane need to control everything and everybody around me. And I wasn't even in control of my own narrative because I didn't have my pen. I would wake up every day and immediately look outside for how I was supposed to feel. How is my husband today? Is he having a good day? Is he having a bad day? What does my child need? Well, my husband and I had more bad days than good, and there were moments 
during that time where I felt like I was standing in front of him, waving my pen, pleading for him to take it, to write a chapter that would make us both happy again. He never took that pen. Instead, he decided to leave and we got divorced. Things at work were not much better. I was working in a toxic environment led by a manager who was controlling and controlled us all with fear. There were times I would try to offer a suggestion and I would be met with this crazy ass response that I was crazy and no, Karen, that would never work. What are you thinking? Or worse, he would ignore me. Recently in a meeting, we were at a table and he went around to each one of my peers asking if anybody had anything to contribute for the greater good. When he got to me, he paused, made direct eye contact, just to be sure that I knew he saw me, and then he went right on to the next person. He ignored me. I felt unseen and not worthy of contributing. I was so frustrated, I wanted to scream. I was trying to put everything back in the box, control everything. One day I was scrolling LinkedIn and I came across a post about Rise and Thrive. I hopped over to Rebecca's website, read about the program, and filled out the, why would you want to participate in Rise and Thrive? But the last question was, why do you want to participate in Rise and Thrive? And I told Rebecca a story about how my first boss told me that I was one of the most courageous young people he had ever had the opportunity to work with. And I could feel that courage somewhere deep inside me, but I just didn't know my way back to it. Ten minutes later, Rebecca and I had a conversation on the phone, and it was the most loving, caring conversation I had had with somebody after I had showed my humanness to them. It felt like Rebecca was reaching through the phone with my pen in the palm of her hand, trying to give it to me. Right. I knew Rise and Thrive was what I needed. But to get there, I had to go through that nasty, crazy-ass boss of mine and ask for permission. Let's just say that conversation did not go well. And at the end of it, he told me he would not support my participation in Rise and Thrive in any way. I was devastated and angry. I was so angry because in that moment I realized I had spent the last decade of my life serving in an organization that did not care about me, that did not see me. So what did I do? I joined Rise and Thrive anyway. I took a bold, courageous step forward for myself. And then I paused. Much like I did when I was diagnosed 15 years ago, but this time was so different. I didn't freeze, I paused. I paused and I listened or felt how my body felt. And I quickly realized that my nervous system had been in fight or flight for the last 15 years. And I listened to the way that I was talking to myself in my head. And I relearned, or I I changed that narrative, and I relearned that I am capable. But the most important thing that I did was I literally picked my pen up and I started journaling. Because after all this time, I was not afraid of what was coming out. Because I'm capable. And I was ready to process my life. But after all this time of trying to avoid it and going over it, around it, anywhere, I learned that the only way forward is to actually go through it. Go through every single chapter of your life. The happy ones, the sad ones, the ones of grief and so much heartache that it makes you physically ill. And the only thing that you can do that day is get out of bed and go to the bathroom. 
I have a new job now. <laughs> I work for an amazing organization and a lovely human being and a team of humans that care about me and they ask for my opinion and my feedback and when I give it to them, they listen to me. Picking my pen back up feels powerful. And the power gives me the ability to make the decisions about what I want for my life. Take a minute and think about who's holding your pen. Because like mine, yours has power. And you shouldn't give it away, you should keep it. Because at the end of the day, we're all in charge of our own story. Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And then go to wethrive.live. First thing you'll see is a place to drop your email and join the movement. I'll send you tools that you can use to thrive in life and business. I'm not coming down. Hey, y'all. Fun fact. If you like the music for the podcast, that is actually my son, Cameron Hessian. And I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music. My personal favorite is TV Land. <laughs>